Hello and welcome to this week's Mad Axman podcast. This is the ninth in our series of lockdown podcasts and the normal seven people join and try and make this more work over a Zoom connection yet again. This week we have our usual roundup of what's been happening in the world of painting. We actually talked for the first time about some games that we've played um, because some of us have managed to get onto real tabletops and virtual tabletops. We bring back Andy's quiz yet again with a different theme this week and a special bonus question as well and then we also have a discussion about the Yurch and Chin army one of the more successful armies in Art de la Guerre from the kind of post-song Chinese era um, interesting army to use this time we attack a new format and a couple of the people bring alternative lists we discuss them and then we vote on which one's the best one and finally in a roundup we have a look ahead to what we're all doing next week so sit back enjoy the podcast over this weekend Well, welcome to the ninth, I believe, um, Mad Axman Lockdown podcast. So we've got nine podcasts plus two bonus episodes. That's 11. Um, we've got seven people on the screen. We're starting to get into seriously large numbers here. And um, as, we're, as we're all kind of chugging along, and I think we're almost familiar with the format here, which is a bit of a miracle, we, we can dive straight in with this week nine podcast and see what everybody's been painting. And if... Um, if Dave, actually, I come to you first, and um, and last week you took a little break from pure samurai, and you'd started doing some Egyptian camels. No, sorry, some normal camels. I think Palmyran. But what's I hear you've had a bit of a divergence this week. What have you been? Um, what have you been up to? Did, did the samurai get finished? Did the camels get done? But what what happened to change your life? The camels are completed and glossed. Hmm in preparation for dull coating, um, matte shine, whatever you want to call it. So camels done and dusted. We've got half a tray of camels whenever we might need them in the future. Cool. Uh, is, is that the official you know, group noun for camels, half a tray? Yeah, so the Bisley tray I've got. So there's six camel bows, six camel spear, impetuous impacts, whatever you want to call them, and about four lots of light camels. So they're d- done and dusted for future um, the samurai, the last four bases of samurai are sprayed, undercoated and dry brushed, ready. So that will be the end of the samurai army, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I've moved on to some Egyptians, as you say. Got, I've got about four bags of um, Egyptians from Gladiator from Fighting 15s from Ian. And um, just to sort of, because I'd never seen the Gladiator figures. And they're actually pretty nice, actually. So what, what prompted you to, was it actually just a test sample or, or, or did they just not have in stock enough for you to buy a whole army? Well, on it, his website's got no pictures whatsoever, so I'd never seen any of these before. Okay. He sent, he sent them away for painting, he just hasn't had them back yet. Yeah, and no, I think he's got some vexillia. The guy who does vexillia, I think, has painted them for Ah, yeah. oh, Martin, well, I, okay. So, so I mean, eventually, Gordon had some, we did a biblical competition about a year ago and Gordon had some figures and I went, Ooh, what are they? They're not bad. And they, he said, oh, they're the gladiator ones. So I thought, I want to, because I did biblicals years ago for um, DBM, actually. Yeah. And so I've got big drawers of, D, of biblicals, which are absolutely not worth using. <laughs> okay. So, painted. so I thought, and that's the one gap in my uh, collection, should we say. And I thought, 
let's buy a few of them just to have a look at the figures. Got some painted up. I love them to bits. They're very, very nice. Okay. So what, what figures did you get then? What, um, were they, did you get chariots? Did you get the, those sort of two horsemen or was it all swordsmen? No, no chariots yet. So, um, so what, I, what did I get? I got the Ahuti uh, swordsmen. And so I got sort of two bags of eight sword, uh, it's all two-handed weapons guys or impact um, swordsmen. So with a new kingdom Egyptian army, you need about six to eight bases of impact infantry or impetuous infantry. So I've got figures for that. So I've done essentially three bases of that. So I've got two bags of swordsmen sorted with commanders and some heavy infantry figures. So for the close combat guardsmen, the heavy infantry. Yeah, that's a nice um, little anchor to that army, is it? But I think Richard Case in, in the chat I had with him wasn't yeah. a big fan of the heavies, but you'd gone for some as well. Well, I played, I, I went, we went to Spain just as the coronavirus hit and played a competition which was supposed to be 35 players or something, of which eight managed to make it. Oh, and yeah. I, played in, I played in New Kingdom Egyptian Army and I thought my curly Carthaginians would roll over it with my heavy chariots and my heavy foot. And it was actually a lot, lot more tough, difficult and tough than it appeared. So I've, I've actually kind of copied the Spanish players' army as a basis and um, sort of got, you know, sort of started sort of thinking about round that army. But I've actually then, last week, I put in another order for 85 quid's worth of figures. But it's an easy mistake to make. After you bought those first four packets, it would be a waste not to, um, not to just follow that up. So did you go, is that 84 with the foot or have you gone the whole army now? Are you done and dusted with it? Well, I've not seen any chariots. So, I mean, the, the I've, been, I've basically got all the infantry options in that 85 quid. And I've also bought three chariots, four chariots, a pharaoh and the three different chariots, sort of like, you know, unarmored sort, um, bowmen, armored bowmen, et cetera, et cetera. So just yeah. to have a look at them. So okay. there'll be another order of about another 30 quid's worth of chariots at some point <laughs> in the future. Okay. Because, Andy, you, you know Ian, I think, quite well at, at fighting. Yeah, we be, yes, that's right. We, we became friends playing the PK rules. Um, back in the 1990s. Then about a year or two later, he moved down to the Isle of Wight and we've kept in touch and stayed friends. And um, we normally get to visit about once a year or so, but obviously not this year at the moment. I managed to um, lure him into playing ADLG a few times when we went down there. Uh, he does play, he does, his group of people play Fog for some reason, I don't know why, but um, he, ha he does enjoy ADLG. Okay. So we might lure him to the dark side just and yet. And he bought that range from Gladiator Games not that, but not that long ago, is it? It's a couple of years, years ago, ago, yes. About yeah. a year ago. Have you heard from yeah. him how well it's going? Because, you know, it's a range I really like as well. I think it's going quite well. I think, As I say, he, he knows that he needs to get some stuff painted and put up there on the website, and it's something he's working on. Um, right. so well, you can just get Dave to do it instead for him. Dave, oh, I, might, I might mention that to you, him. You can just take Possibly. a picture you, and send it to Gladiator. You can, um, you can gazump um, Martin from Vexilia and see if you can sneak in there with your, your figures as well. I don't, I don't think Ian's a gazumping type of guy, but if, if Dave's free to paint some stuff, I'll, 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 I'll mention it to Ian and see if he's interested in following up on that. Well, we can get some Dave, photos you're, up you're, there. I think your new career, Dave, pro, pro painter. You're just doing it for exposure. Dave, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I think Martin's... Better painter than me. Yeah, Martin's stuff's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it, it be is really, really good. Painter, yeah. In fact, he um he chucked in a comment after the I think the paintbrushes um one okay. to say that um he thinks that 
your painting soap, your brush soap, is a bit of a scam, and you can just kind of use soap, <laughs> really. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, and that's someone who paints as well as him. So available so, from Vexilia. Sorry, shampoo and hair conditioner also works. Yeah, <laughs> I you think, think about it. I certainly for sable brushes, it's natural. It's hair. I suppose. Yeah, I think looking looking I around the screen. Looking around the screen here, Tamsin, I don't think I can see at least four of us who wouldn't really have any of that in the house. So <laughs> probably going kind to of struggle. struggle what about bicarbonate of soda? Does it work with that? Yeah, to make it to a glue paste. Yeah, I'm starting to think Tamsin's just making stuff up to see whether we'll swallow, swallow it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, bicarbon soup glue. That's yeah. brilliant. And clean <laughs> brushes with tar. It was brilliant. I could just see one of us will come in next week with yellow hair or something, you know, stuck out like a big afro going, Tamsin, well, we need to talk. <laughs> That's it. That'd be a result for me. That would be a result. All right. So, Dave, you've suddenly been paid. So, is the samurai something which we no longer talk about? Is it the, the no, great unfinished project? Well, basically, there's, what, 24 heavy foots on the table, which should be finished this week. And right. then that's um, ready to play with, basically. It just okay. needs to come out of lockdown and then we can get on with it. Does, does that mean you've just covered the bare essentials and now you need to do all the extras with it? No, no, no. That's enough for quite a few options, actually. Okay, well, we'll, we'll have to do a special list podcast on the Samurai then, I think, at some yeah. point. I don't think that there's not huge amounts of options in the Samurai, but it's, there's, there's enough there for all that. It's just how you cobble them together. Okay, all right. Well, Adam, then, um, you were doing something very obscure with tiny bits of string last time we spoke. Oh, they, they've been um, beautifully done and finished, but I, I've also done um, some Lord of the Rings figures, the uh, Fellowship of the Ring, because I've been reading it with my children. I've been doing that in my, uh, <clears throat> in my slightly more complicated black undercoat, Okay. because I've got two techniques, the black undercoat when I want to try and make them look a bit better, um, and the white undercoat with blocking it out and the dip um, if I'm going quick, quickly, um, even my better technique, I'm still painting. It's the way I judge my figures now, because I went through a phase of not painting very much because I didn't seem to be getting anywhere. So now I'm going with got to get stuff painted, got to get it on the table. So how I judge it is would someone that doesn't play toy soldiers think, oh, that looks good. Um, and the Lord of the Rings figures, um, I think, has got there. And the other thing I did was the Russian tanks, 20 mil. Yeah, um, you were starting those last week, weren't you? Yeah, yeah that, that's really easy. You spray, spray and grey, um, pick out a few details, do the tracks, dry brush on some mud effect, bit of a dip, and they were done. They took literally minutes. Do you, um, do you use that special, you know, actually mud type paint, or are you just talking dry brush on some brown? Well, um, I got, last time I was in a shop, there was some, I think it was the army painter, do some dry brush mud paint, which I bought a tube, because um, mm. I'm we, in a shop, yeah. yeah, I'm buying stuff, and yeah, I use that, and it's, yeah, fine, brilliant. Looks like mud, okay, all right, and um, that's fine, then. so uh, uh, that's your full set, then which Lord of the Rings people did you do? Is there a, a little band of them, or is it the orcs? Oh, yes, the... Um, the Fellowship. So if you know Lord of the Rings, you know the... Look, we, everybody knows Lord of the Rings. I think you're talking to a fairly safe audience there with this one. Yeah. I think we're um, probably oh, I also did one other thing, which um, I've done some more ships, but not 1,250 scale, um, 1 to 6,000 scale, World War Two, 
and they are very, very small indeed. And they're quite fun to paint because you've got to use a magnifying glass. And it's, and it's getting to the point where they're basically 3D counters rather than okay. figures, but they look like proper ships and they look lovely and I'm doing some World War II naval stuff. So they're actually quite quick and easy to paint because there's not very much to paint, to be honest. Like, so what where, nationality you are you doing, Adam? Sorry? What nationality are you doing? Uh, US and Japanese, sort of like 1942 Pacific right. War. And I've also got some, I've got some ships so I can do Battle of River Plate, Battle of Denmark Strait, some British and Germany type um, things as well. Um, who, who sells those? Who sells those? Hallmark. So I think you get ah. them from Magister Militum. Um, that, that sounds about right, yeah. In Britain. And um, yeah, because it's like naval games, World War II games. It's like you can get some really beautiful bigger ships. Um, but whenever I played a World War II game, that you always seem to sort of start within shooting distance, which takes away the whole game of manoeuvre and stuff. So I thought I'll get really small ones and make the table that much bigger so you can do some manoeuvre and sort of like tactics before you get to chucking the dice to see who sinks who. So um, they, they were quick to paint, which was quite nice. Okay, well, maybe we'll, in, in future weeks, we will hear about them um, being used on table. Good. All right. Well, Tamsin, then, you, um, I, I'm seeing, was it, it was riders were halfway done last time and, and it looks like there's some command bases as well. Um, so it looks like command bases and the rest of the riders this week. Yes, I've uh, got, I was Rice Army is finished. Ta-da! As finished as any army ever is. Of course. Have you, have you bought the guns yet? Not yet. There we go then. There we go. That's something else to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, I thought I'd give, which, which, which I thought I'd give very minute just a chance to recover. Yeah. No, get absolutely. back in the stream of things before ordering. Is it, yeah, actually, that's a good point, Andy. Is it a generic War of the Roses army or have you just started with flags yes. and one particular faction? Generic. Okay, so, are so you I haven't do... done livery. For, so livery I've done has just been sort of very basic, generic. I know there's yeah. no particular, no, particular. no specific liveries. Okay. Uh, uh, counted up the points. How many sort of and without before commanders, sort of the figures I've painted up to, comes out as about four hundred and sixty points. So I've got <laughs> enough for two armies. <laughs> that works for the Law of the Roses, then, doesn't it? You can do both sides. Yeah. That's a result. God. So how many, that must be a, a certain number, that's a lot of box sets to glue together. What's that about? How many box sets do you think you used about in total? Two, I think it's about 210 foot, so that's what, five boxes? Five box sets, yeah, they're in 40 five odd box sets, aren't they? and 36 mounted, so that's three. three. Okay, yeah, eight If you boxes. take your longbows as a lead, that soon clocks up the points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So eight boxes, about 160 quid, so that's actually 80 quid an army for 25 mil. That's a great result, really, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. That's superb. Okay. And so is there anything else made it onto the table or was it just I finished them, sit back, um, admire them, I've take been, some photos? I've been painting some some sort of general status rain. I crates, wood piles and I stacks of well, assume assume flower sacks. Okay. Uh, so working on that, I've got some more a few more to do. That's most I a lot of it could be used in most games, but more more sort of for my pulp games collection. Okay, and what is there if they're wooden crates? Because um, that's always this might sound a really bizarre question, but is there a particular paint color you use for for wooden crates? Because they can be all sorts of different different colors, can't they? But it's just everybody seems to have a go to color for doing wood stuff. I just go with the flow. Uh, right. how I feel. Uh, these ones sort of over a sort of brown over brown primer. I dry brushed heavy dry brush. I think it was Court Vallejo Court Brown. 
followed by a lighter dry brush uh, beige. Then I did a diluted diluted wash uh, mix, 50-50 mix of soft tone and strong tone from Army Painter. I wash, not the dip. And then top, finished that off with a, another dry brush uh, of beige, light dry brush of beige. That's, yeah. that's, that's always the thing I find asking you questions like that is the answer is just, yeah, I just slap something on really, isn't it? It's just really, there's so little thought goes into it, so little effort. It's, it's almost not really worth asking, is it? Um, right, so um, Simon, you're, you were the man who'd received ridiculous amounts of stuff in the post. And I've heard rumours through um, a secret WhatsApp group that um, you met, there may be more, more pressure on the British postage system as well as a result of um, your, your exploits of this week. How's your your unpacking and getting ready to paint and everything else going on? Quite good. So um, QRF, QRF Miniatures had their, another t- or had extended their 20% sale on. So while you're looking through various boxes, looking at things, you, you discover you had a, uh, I had a whole bunch of 30 years war pike and not enough musket, musketeers to, uh, to finish up some units. So I just had to go and buy some more figures, mm-hmm, which have just arrived. Uh-huh. Um, so I've now um, base coated all the Seven Years' War infantry, all the grenadiers, and I've got the regimental guns um, base coated, and hopefully they will be started up this week. So is, is that white base coat or grey? Or um, I'm a big fan of just going the straight white and build it okay. up from there. I've tried the black idea and then never worked well for me. Um, the one a couple of things I've done, actually completed this week is I finished a. 15 mil baggage for my ancient British. So um, I bought off eBay. You could buy this um, puzzle of Stonehenge and okay. it's just the right size for 15 mil. So um, I've made a, a, a um, as you can see a baggage wow. of, you know, th- you know, th- uh, sort of th- uh, three of the two big monoliths from, from the Stonehenge with a bunch of druids um, getting ready to sacrifice someone or hopefully a Roman or something, some, something like I, that. I've got those druids myself, but I bought them so long ago. I can't remember who they're from. Is it? Um, These are from a Magister Militium. Magister Militium. Ah, yes. Yeah, so they're from that range that almost used to be Falcon figures or something, wasn't it? Okay. Mm. Or, or something yeah. before. Pre my time in the UK, I think. Yeah. Um, it would have been. So you, you know, the Stonehenge has to be reoriented twice a year. So yeah. what I, um, with the rest of the um, the kit, I'm going to make up a, a village or something to use as a built-up area for oh yeah for for ADLG because I've got spare druids as well, and including well, we all the, need um, spare druids, don't we? You do, yeah. It's got one uh, reaching up, holding a, a bird and a, um, a little uh, golden sickle. So with all the spare parts, I reckon I reckon I can make a nice BUA to um, just put down the centre of the table or something. Can say, by the way, here's Stonehenge. Yeah. Okay. And the holding up a bird in a sickle, it, it sounds like, you know, it's, it's the local kebab house and he's about to do some chicken, <laughs> fried chicken or something. <laughs> I think there's probably wargaming events we've been to where the local pub has been called the bird and sickle as well. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, or, or the sick bird. Yeah. Or the sick yeah. bird sometimes, yeah. Well, ha- having, having seen some of the quality of the food as well. Yes, that could be it. <laughs> could be it. What, more, um, more celery stew, son. Oh, celery stew or um, three shades of yellow. Which choose? What choice would you like? Yeah, that was a grim old time um, in Spain. Grim old um, time in Spain. But, uh, and the other thing I've, I've um, got three quarters painted up is a 50 mil carocho 
from Millington Miniatures. So it's, it's from an old DBM army I'd um, found back when I was back in Australia. And it's a, um, for the um, some of the Italian armies, like a, this war wagon where the priest would come out and say, you know, there's sort of like a rallying point. And um, in ADLG, they use it as a fortified, um, fortified, fortified baggage. So um, it's been stripped down, repainted in, in, in uh, Ferrari Go Faster Red, because it seems appropriate <laughs> for an Italian. <laughs> and um, I'm just working on uh, making up the banner. I used to have a banner of the town of Siena, because my communal Italian army was from Siena. So I'm just debating which, which town to put up for this one. So it um, looks quite cute. It's gratuitous yeah. and it looks really pretty. Is that, is that the one with the four oxen pulling it so it's longer than the 80 by 40 base or? yeah so this one um the two other oxen got sold off so it's, it now fits officially uh, properly on a right. uh, 40 by 80 yeah but they just have to really strain to pull it on their yeah. own yeah so um but these are proper italian oxen so they're big and tough and all that okay so. and well you wouldn't cut- you wouldn't really want you know sweaty bullocks straining to no um <laughs> that'd be awful wouldn't it um so <laughs> so andy um coming around the table to you and your um your your kitchen full of painting paraphernalia. Um, yep. What's what's the latest story with the? Um, I still keep calling them Vikings, even though that I know that they're the other sort well, of Saxons. Ang- they're officially Anglo Anglo Saxons. Anglo Saxons. Anglo Saxons, Anglo Danes. You know, people to be beaten up by Vikings. Um, and uh, I'm doing fifty unarmored guys at the moment, and I I probably I should be able to finish them this week, and then just on to the armored ones. Uh, so nearing the end of that project and then you've got pikemen coming because we've um we've done a bit of online drill based commerce this weekend as well yeah that's we? right because when i did the kickstarter um I, I wanted to do the 1066 stuff so i bought bought all the things for that and then for what i paid for you could buy some extra packs of things so i thought in terms of fillers well all, all my pikemen are a bit kind of gatty and mixed up and don't have enough really nice looking ones particularly salukas which is one of my favorite armies so I thought, I'll get a pack of Seleucid pikemen. So I did. Okay. So you're waiting for um, to get to the end of the Vikings and, and the Anglo-Danes, the Danes, whatever they're called, and then it will be straight into pikemen, which would be quite a difference then. Yeah, I guess, probably. Stylist yeah. If I don't get a temp... I've also sent off for some uh, uh, plas- hard plastic um, things. Irish Dark Ages stuff. Um, the, um, Northern oh, yeah. Italy. Yeah, what is the name? Those 28 mil ones with the dogs, isn't it? Uh, Vic- yeah, that's right, not, yeah. It's not Victrix, is it? It's the Agema. Is it Agema miniatures or am I making that up? Um, there's Atlantic, someone. Atlantic, I think. Atlantic. Atlantic? Yeah. That's who it is, well, yeah. I thought for 25 quid, get 30 of them, plus the dogs, and um, then added to some metal stuff I've not painted yet, which Clive gave me a little while ago, I've got enough for a Saga Irish Warband. Yeah, that's a steal, isn't it, for 25 pounds? That's really good. And yeah. to get the dogs is cute as well. Okay. All right. Well, I okay, might, might be able to persuade my wife to paint the dogs. Right. <laughs> She's bored as hell. Like, Come on, why don't you paint something? No, I don't want to paint those dogs. Yeah, there's, a, the there's dogs, a limit. Say, why don't you paint those? She might, she might be interested. There's a limit to how bored people can be, I guess. Yeah. This means war. You saw on the, the web, I managed to finish off the last bit of basing and tidying up on the um, the Blue Moon Swiss, those few units of Swiss, and and posted that all up. And and within kind of moments of posting stuff up online, saying 
the the plasticky spear thing that I was trying to do to kind of squeeze the ends of the spears and make um, make some spear points from something I'd seen online, they did start to break a bit. And and I think I've now realised, even as I was typing it up and uploading the photos, that there probably is a better solution with with either um, florist's wire, which seems to be a solution, or bristles from a plastic brush. Um, so being slightly dissatisfied already with the, the plastic I'd been using, I've already ordered some florist wire online from eBay. Um, and then we had a long discussion about drill bits, which I've done that as well. But my kind of big project of the, the weekend, other than getting the, the Swiss online, was to start doing or undercoating this Hungarian um, ready-made, I think it's a ready-made fog army from that I, I bought from Clive secondhand um, unpainted about a year and a bit ago, um, sort of later and middle Hungarian generic. And um, so I've undercoated it. I've done nearly all the horses with a white undercoat. They're all on lollipop sticks. And, um, and then some of them I did black because they're just going to be black anyway. It's easy to do them in black. I've done all the blokes um, undercoated in white because I was sort of in two minds. Do I go black undercoat and do sort of a almost a dry brushy style that kind of messy style to let the black show through and I thought for these because they're they're Hungarians they probably warrant a bit sort of brighter colors sort of greens and reds and things like that so I've actually decided to go for a first time in quite a while with an army to go for a, a white undercoat and and see how it goes with with that one but can I just put in for a sec Tim about yeah. uh, pikes I bought some time ago from Hobbycraft don't know if you can see them. They're little, they're little pins. Well, in fact, they're about 54 millimetre long. Yep. And a pack of 60 of them cost me know, three or four quid or something. Yep. So I'm hopefully yep. going to use them. They look quite thin. They're obviously rigid, so you just need to be watching. You don't stab yourself at the Yeah, no, I've, I've actually had... I've used some pins for slightly smaller spears um, from, you know, I think I've got them, off, again, off eBay from China, and they're, they're the dressmaking pins, and you just cut the heads off them. But I did find you just with a little pair of pliers, if you nip the... Um, the pointy end, just the tiniest bit off the pointy end, they get a lot less pointy, um, <laughs> which is really quite important, but just a tiny, tiny clip off that with a pair of pliers. But, but I was trying oh, to do no, this thing where, where you kind of squish, because they just go to a point, they're a needle. Whereas I was trying to sort of squash the head, squash the end of make a the bit of plastic head type thing, yeah. to yeah, make an actual yeah. you know, diamond headed point. Which Why don't you just buy them? You can just buy. Exactly you can. I just, know, but we're all gamers. You can't. The, the amount of time you spend I think they, around with them, you could just go to pack. There's like loads of suppliers online. You can just go buy it. There, done. No, but I, I think the met those spear suppliers. Um, I think is it Northstar do most, and they start. They've stopped yeah. making some of them. Zeiston um, ones. Zeiston, but they still don't have. Yeah, the, the last though, ones they? I got were North Star. They're fine. They're just very, very spiky. I, you know, yeah. I always keep. I, I always mean to sort of like um, sand it down a bit, you know, mm. to stop it being so spiky. Then I forget. I get lost in doing the model itself. Then I finish off a pike block, and then subsequently stab myself. So yeah, I just I don't want to play with pike anymore. <laughs> no, let's just put you off. I think there's probably an attachment to the Dremel just to sand down the um the, the spike. Little forks on top. Yeah, I've no, yeah, corks on top. We're getting back to a Simon special now. So, but I've I've actually kind of started with white undercoat, which I've not done in a while for an army for most of it. And um, and I've then got the horses. 
I've decided, even though I hate doing horses, I've decided to do the horses first and just get them all out of the way before I start on the men. So they're all on like four horses to a lollipop stick. And, and I've done a mix of colors and used those coat to arms, horse colors, which I've got a, a pretty much a full set of to do a real mix. And then I've actually started to follow that thing, Dave, that you sent me, the, um, uh, that really, really simple cool. horse graphic. Um, yeah, it's really, really neat. I think it's another thing on the Vexilia website um, somewhere, but we'll try and post a link to it that shows how the different horse colours all fit together. Because yeah, in the past, good. I've just done brown and yellow and stuff. But some I think of them look I've, a bit red. Some of them look a bit, yeah. I think the, that is actually one of the things, the, one of the t- colours in the um, coat arms is pretty orangey red, that one. Well, but I, I use that as well. Once you use some shading and that, it yeah. actually picks it up quite nicely because the, the orangey-red one normally has black horsehair. Um, yeah. You feel the Alexia thing, and then yeah. it sort of contrasts it quite nicely. Yeah, and I've, I've especially I've, once you've got the, you know, the, the rider on there with the saddle and everything else, uh, a bit of shading, it picks it up quite nicely. It's like a, a light chestnut. Okay, well that's what that's what I'm hoping, and I think also um, I'm trying to do that thing where the bottom part of the horse's legs is darker than the rest of the body. So, so trick for that. Okay. Is it this one, Tim. Um, yeah that's, well, cool. no, that's quite a complex chart i think the one i've got from dave's got about five different yeah. pictures that, not eight thousand got. you've got the eight thousand pictures wow yeah, that's an amazing that thing it's okay. lovely especially yeah. with the horse i don't think i own that many horses top. yeah <laughs> <laughs> full stop so There's i'm just horses heads there no they're in uh, godfather and godfather so, so it's sort <laughs> of a so it's kind of a simplified version of it with a bit of luck. And, um, but just to try and concentrate on the horses a bit more than usual and, and try and get them out of the way. But it's still, I'm staring at them thinking I've got to do all those horse straps. And these Hungarian horses have got loads and loads of different straps across the back. So it's just a mix of colours for those as well. And then I think there's probably a thing with using darker shader ink on the bottom of their legs and then lighter ink on the actual top of the horses to get that Did you graduated effect him where they so, say hungarians always bought dark horses yeah no, I, I i've completely black blanked my mind to that one i don't believe that's true for a moment tim. so tim for buying for painting the army are you doing it as one job lot you've prepped up the whole army undercoated the whole army and you're going to do all the yeah. horses oh, blimey that's um yeah absolutely you know because I, I started faffing around with looking at lists and then you know you do two or three lists and then you you sort of look at the early and the late ones and then you go, damn, I'm going to need to buy some more figures probably if I'm going to do some of these lists. So I better, so if I think, actually, I think I've left one packet of light foot um, hand gunners unpainted because I thought I really, really don't need those at all. And, and I'm justifying doing them slightly different to some of the other stuff I've already got by thinking I might base these ones slightly different and do it as a completely consistent army. But um, so I've just painted everything that's in the army or I'm going to paint everything that's in the army and then then realize that I've got three units of spearmen too many for me ever to use or something like that. So how long do you reckon the whole army from first opening a packet to done last dull coat? Do you reckon I, th- gonna I think it? it's it's a difficult one because we're in a really weird scenario at the moment in that we can't go out. So we've got more time for painting. Um, so it's not kind of a normal thing. 
um, if you think those those 28 mil Assyrians that I finished about a month ago, I got those at Devizes last year and then I bought some extras on it, but they were really not particularly finished by by the beginning of the lockdown. I guess I did, I maybe did about half of it from, um, from, from the lockdown um, period onwards. And then, so I think this is, this is actually an interesting experiment to say, you know, I, I undercoated them at the weekend and then it will be seeing how long it actually takes to get to finished army. In, so what, what's your estimate? So we can we yeah, go, take, be yeah. brave, be brave. Be give brave. Us a, well, I'm just staring at all these, you know, I'm thinking painting the straps on these horses is like a lifetime. Um, but then how many infantry is there? Okay. Let's, if we, if we draw the line before the point at which I buy some more, to round out the army. Well, that, um, that's tomorrow, you mean? No, 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 no. I might have to try and finish these before I buy some more. Um, I would say probably six to eight weeks, maybe. Okay. Is that a bit bold? I don't know. Well, we've been doing this for nine. <laughs> we've been doing this for nine weeks. And and Dave, had you started the samurai when we? Would you just started no, the samurai? They just. I mean, the samurai's been during lockdown. So that's been what. Two months. Yeah. Well, they started in the video period. Yeah, because this is our ninth one of these. So this is eight weeks to this point in time since we, we started talking it. So so maybe eight eight plus weeks, I would think. Depends how um how much I like the figures. If I get bored, I might slap them about a bit more quickly and get get them done. Maybe it depends if I play play with the army on um on online and see if I can actually make something work with that one. Okay. All right, well well Peter, um Kind of wrapping up with you you were doing a world of austrians then you were accidentally buying some more and then you were doing austrians and accidentally buying some more so funny enough you were mentioning about white undercoat yeah i've been kind of using white undercoat an awful lot and um i've got some more figures on the go so um um i just last week i did some artillery um i started off on the grenadiers and uh i've got all the other options so i've done all the main stuff done now so i feel quite good about that but then i put the order in to finish off um from fighting 15s to clear out off their last ab figures and then from eureka and um i got the fighting 15 ones in so i'm just starting to do those and I then think, i, I realized they need more bases oh. so tiny tin troops so um i've got um, a load more bases just turned up this morning um, and then it's a case of um, hopefully I get the Eureka ones because I want to do the units together and paint them up together. So I've got them base, uh, I've got them whitewashed, um, effectively white spray painted. But I want to then wait for the rest of the figures to then do them as a batch. Um, so I'm, I know I'm choosing the right colours and everything else and stay faffing around. Okay. So have you still got stuff coming to you in the post before you can start that, or? Yes, just to finish off. So just the, the last bit from uh, Eureka, I'm waiting to you come through. Um, and then I think that'll be enough for me. I've got um, some geezers, genzers, mm. um, some jaegers, and uh, I like the landwehr because they're, they're in top hats and uh, slouch hats. So they look like um, sort of like dodgy lost Australians trying to find their way to a ball. I think most um, dodgy Australians are a bit lost or, or lost Australians are a bit dodgy. Yeah, you resemble so, that remark, Simon. <laughs> I'm not even sure you need to say dodgy in Australian. It's like um, saying something about, no, better not go there. It's, it's, it's sort of <laughs> doubling down, I know, but, you know, uh, yeah. the things you do. Um, so, yeah, I've, 
I've been playing more actually this week than painting, which has been quite nice. Oh, okay. Well, 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 maybe that's um that's a good kind of segue to it. Um, maybe we can talk about things that we've actually played this week. This means war. beating your kids up your kids have been beating you yes. up how's that been working uh, well for once i had the luxury of uh, beating my son uh, my son nick actually plays in adlg competitions and quite frankly usually does better than me so um i actually had a game of him he decided to choose an allen army i don't know why but he did so i went with praetorians and consequently um shotting the bits with various bits uh, but even then, I, I got lucky on a few rolls because he couldn't roll for command values for it to save his life, literally. But um, for a young teenager, um, he did quite well. And we've got a rematch on the cards, but uh, we're just going to work out what two armies. So any suggestions of what two armies should play? I was thinking about thinking about the, you know, going down the list of the world's um, top you know, four or five, and uh, picking those out to play against. But uh, any suggestions, and we can do a challenge match. Around. Pardon? Do a reversal. You well, take we gallons. Were, oh, we were going to do that, uh, but he just fancied something new. Because I, I said, mm. well, you know, yeah, I'll beat you with the Praetorians, I'll beat you with the Allens. And uh, he said, no, we'll play a, a different one, because he, he knows all the uh, tricks now. Okay. And, and then three or four of us have actually been dabbling with the world of tabletop simulator this week which i was certainly over the weekend which i'm you know without having actually played a game but with having faffed around with it and pretty much worked out how to to set up armies and, and move troops and things um i'm actually starting to be quite quite keen to do this i think this could actually work i don't know so it's i think it's been peter um dave i think simon you've been sort of on the edges of this and and andy you've been um you've been chipping in as as well we all had a kind of session at the weekend so i guess for for people who've not seen this yet it's it's a it's sort of a game online but it's not really a game it's a it's a sort of computer program called tabletop it's a medium Simulator. it's a medium yeah. yeah it's a physics model a physics engine so you you buy it on the steam games platform where you buy all your normal computer games and what it is, it's a, a virtual table that then people create their own um, mods for. And those mods are the boards and the game pieces for different board games. So you can play a board game or a card game or, or chess or drafts or something like that in a virtual environment. And the thing is, it's the rules of the game are not baked in at all. They are just pieces physical pieces so you need to know how to play the game yourself and and a couple of people have created art de la guerre pieces for this so there's a table it looks like actually one of um looks like one of rafa tortosa's cloths which is quite bizarre i think he must have um, sent the images yeah, across even with it. all the trimmings about uh, where you put the uh, one piece and two piece and everything else it's yeah almost like you need a little Rafa logo in the bottom. Yeah, it's a little Rafa cloth, one of his designs. And so there's a tabletop with one of Rafa's cloths. There's there's buttons and, and markers for things like that. There's a 40 mil Barker markers. There are measuring sticks. 
there's there's bits of terrain that you can play it's with the as well. Italian guys have sorted a lot of this out and done a lot of work, haven't they? It looks fantastic, really. It does. Looks amazing, yeah. The, and then, they've done a lot of time and effort in it. Yeah, it's a superb piece of work. It, it really is good. And then, um, then I think one of the Italians and then a, a guy in South London, uh, Massimo, Massimo, and um, and Ollie as well. Both must be do, do some sort of three D modeling skills of some sort. So they've been creating armies and and not just armies but almost complete army lists so you can go in and you know go into a kind of bucket or a box of generic medieval troops and and you can kind of copy them and create your own army lists so it's almost sort of a real version of little army designer online where you create a list and then import that into the game and these are literally it's it's quite staggering they're they're actual playing pieces with a, a base that's effectively 40 by 40 big. It's got six little figures on it. You can push it around. If you roll dice at it, the dice will bounce off it or they'll knock it over. You can pick things up and drop it. And, yeah, and they've been doing other lists as well, such as uh, Alexandrian, Carthaginian, and uh, even some with elephants. So I'm happy. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it really looks the part. So I think, you know, we've, we've, been online at the weekend and there's now a few tutorials out there where you can learn the basics of of actually setting the game up and i think we're going to actually try and play a game sometime this week on this virtual tabletop of of shoving these units around and it's you know i think it might be a little bit slower to start with because you've got the interface to to deal with um rather than just just doing things but i think it's you know it seems very very viable and and I know there's quite a lot of people around the country, around the UK and internationally are starting to to give this a go as well to to see it. So I bet, you know, within weeks there'll be online competitions and, and all sorts of things yeah. for this the, going on. I mean, the, the only difficult thing we found was wheeling and we finally figured that out as well. But mm. it looks fantastic. It's it's a lovely setup. It still conveys the feel and the movement of moving stuff around the table. Provided you don't overcomplicate it and uh, trying to get too clever with it, it just seems a, a great way to have a medium of just having a game with someone. Yeah. What I don't know is, um, I, do you both need to be there at the same time or can you send moves to each other and play it sequentially? Um, I suppose with ADLG, you are, you know, you're reacting, you're evading sometimes, you're both rolling dice. So it'd be hard to... The other player? Yeah, so yeah, possibly. So you might be able to do a play-by thing, but I think it's mainly about you're both there, as if right. you're actually arranging to meet down the club and play and, a game. Andy, you've got to be in the now. You've got to be in the now, Andy. You've got to live now. I'll see if I can get shore leave for that then. Yeah. yeah well, you know, if you used... It's not like you're heading out, Andy. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, where else yeah, you do? There are also mod, mods on there for chain of command, and I think bolt action. Yeah, okay. there's also um, from a. I know this is heresy because we're talking about another set of ancients rules. Um, but to the strongest, yeah, to the strongest, Simon Simons. Miller. Yeah, he recently ran. I think it was a competition last weekend where they had about ten players playing one of their competitions just using tabletop simulator. Yeah, um, because his game plays more on a, a square base rather than more micro measuring. Yeah, it's on a grid. Apparently, it? it replicated yeah. very, very easily. So, um, Simon Miller up from Muswell Hill. He's the Muswell Hill chap. Yeah, so yeah. One on, that's one big, on that's that, big Bat Enterprises or something. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, Red a, Bat that's a game. I've played that a couple of times. Yeah, that seems fun. Yeah, big Red Bat. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Terms of, nice you... they, they also have Battle Empire on there as well. So I might look to try that out so I can actually try my Austrians without finish painting my Austrians. Yeah. So it'll probably distract <laughs> me from finishing painting my Austrians because I'm too busy playing with them. Actually, well, now, now we've had a play with it. I think we've accidentally worked out how to, um, to change the size of the figures. I could probably go into the Battle Empire one and, and shrink the figures down to 10 mil size. So I could, I could use my own army against, I could use yeah, 10 mil against 15. Yeah. I could use them against 15. So, so I think that seems really kind of encouraging actually at the moment. And so um, you could finally get your British Napoleonics. I could do, I could not even have to buy them. That could be tremendous. That really could oh, be good. Do they have figures, do they have icons for gnomes? That's the only thing. Did you get a Napoleon on there? I've not seen a Napoleon yet, but maybe maybe someone will do one as a special I, edition. I, I think you just have to do it with one of the chess pieces. Yeah, you could probably change one of the chess pieces, put a gnome's hat on it or something. There's probably something there. So with a bit of luck, next week we might be reporting on actually playing some some proper games, which is it. So I'm trying to think, Adam, do you, did you manage to fit in a game of beating up your kids this week? Um, well, it's not being on my kids. I've, I've been playing two games, actually. The first um, I've been playing is Pandemic. Because if you own it and you're not playing it at the moment, that's just like wrong. Yeah. Um, but the other good, th two other good things about that is, firstly, it is an excellent game. It is really fun to play. And secondly, when you play it with your kids, it's a cooperative game and everybody's on the same side, which actually makes life a lot easier when you've got um, siblings playing against each other. So that's... Um, I've got to try that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's an excellent game, but cooperative games with children is just... It's, it's a good way to go, really, because um, when they play against each other and one wins and one loses, that, that's, um, that, that's an interesting experience. They normally just gang up on Dad, so, you know. <laughs> I, I wish they would. They, <laughs> I wish they would. They try and get me to beat the other one on the whole. I imagine Pandemic is selling quite well at the moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would like to think so. It's gone sort of like viral sales, is it? Just before we went into lockdown, I went to some of the gaming stores like uh, Dark Sphere and um, the Orcs Nest here in London, and people were buying up uh, various board games, and lots of people coming in saying, have you got a copy of Pandemic? And the guy went, no. Nope. Nope. I've sold everything. I cannot find a copy for love of money. Just yeah. everywhere in the UK at that point had just sold it, and I think people must have been buying it on principles. Like, it's appropriate. Got to do it now. I wonder if that's on Tabletop Simulator as well. Maybe we could all, um, all have a game in that. I bet it is. I bet it's one of those. Play it in lockdown virtually. That would be quite quite appropriate. Okay. Available well, one of the things I was looking for um, on the Tabletop Simulator, the ones that, you know, those uh, board games that have lots and lots and lots of pieces that you always lose. Um, that Those are the sort of things. Because you're thinking about Orcs Nest. It's like I was thinking about the what's the one in the nineteen twenties where it's like all the robots and stuff. What scythe um, is that? Um, yeah, scythe. Where yeah. there's shed loads of pieces. That'd be a fun one on tabletop. Yeah, I've I've got that physical game, but I've never managed to actually get it out on table and play it. But they definitely do that on tabletop simulator. That might be another thing to have a go at. Okay. And then um, Tanzin, I think you were saying you you were playing um Judge yeah, Dredd or uh, something. Uh, I played a afternoon and I decided to, that it was about time that I actually played a game Strontium Dog, so I did, set up a solo game. Yeah. Went, I, the... went through went through it over about four hours to eight turns, 
took a break in the middle for lunch, but yeah. Okay. I should that... play, play very well. It's good fun. That's uh, how many figures? Are, how many figures aside is that? Um... It depends. I I actually had seven and six. It ended up with the scenario I was playing. So. Okay. And what what's kind of the core mechanics on that one then? Um, is it how does that actually fit, fit together? Oof. That's uh, one of the difficult ones. I it's you have activation chips. Hmm. I mean, so one per one per model goes into a bag or whatever, and you draw draw them out one at a time. And certain models that have it, if they've got a cool a cool value of four or more, they get a star chip. And uh, if you draw that out, it, you can use a star chip on any model. It doesn't have to be one of the cool four plus, but. At the end of your activation, you have a chance of returning returning the chip to the back. But you have to roll to roll a special i a two thousand AD symbol on. You roll roll against a number of dice equal to your call, and you need to get at least one two thousand AD result to, to get it back in the bag. If you fail, you can, oh, your model gets a pin marker, which stays with it until. It's next activated. Okay, so it's sort of a bolt action esque dice out of yeah. the bag sort of thing with yeah. with. Some... And you get two you get two activations, and so, so if you've got a pin marker, when you're next activated, you can you can attempt to remove it by rolling against your call. So roll a number of dice equal to your call, and if you get the, get a two thousand eighty result, pin marker goes away. Otherwise, you just take an activation to remove the pin marker which leaves you with one activation to do something else. Okay, so the cooler figures can do more stuff because they can roll off They've pins a, a bit easier. To do more stuff. Okay. And in, in my game today, I had one, one Johnny Alpha, Strontium Dog himself, managed to put the chip, the, his, his chip back into the bag twice in one, okay. ter- in one turn in quick succession and got several ac- actions done. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, it's it's good how Warlord Games can stretch that um, that bolt action kind of mechanic into all sorts of different things, isn't it? In fact, Andy, you've played their ships game as well. Have you actually played the um, the Cruel Seas thing? Has that got a similar sort of mechanic, or is that a different one? Um, oh no, I guess it can't be activations. I, mean, I played I played at the club once, and that was yeah. year, um, about six months ago. I've got I've got the basic kit. I think it's um, yeah, I think it's kind of random activation as to who goes when. Okay. And you know when you when it's your go to go, you move, you shoot, you fire your torpedoes. And I can't okay. remember if those are resolved straight away or you have to wait till everybody's moved. No right, so it's, uh, it's not necessarily a dice out of bag. All right, anybody else managed to fit any um, shoving stuff around in on table? It's in? Another game I've started playing recently. It's it's quite a new game. I don't know if you've heard about. It. I think it's going to be big. It's called. Um, I've tried playing chess. Chess, which, my lord! <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, do you have to paint the figures up? Who do you buy them from? It's uh, well, that, there is that, but it's like there are, online. It's like really used to get a game, and you don't have to sort of like mess around with buying mods because it's sort of, there's this websites online, um, and there's All interesting. The the same. So yeah, I know it's like there's not too many lists. Yeah, uh, but you get to choose colours. But as a game, as a pure game, all right, you don't get the military history and you don't get the painting. But as a pure game. It's brilliant. It really, it really is very good. I'm rubbish, but the game is really, really good. Yeah. But um, I, I, I play that about three times a week with the kids in the garden. We've got a nice large chess set out the table out there. It's just uh-huh. a nice one. Having a break from the calls, go out, have a game, and watch them destroy me. I start. I start playing chess with the children. Very as well. cathartic. 
another good thing about it. It's like Louis the Fourteenth's gardens at Versailles, with the minions moving the chess pieces around. Well, you know, you've got to give them something to do. Yeah, exactly. With social distancing, you need a larger chess set. Is that, is that what you're imagining, Dave, as you look out your window of your flat I in Harrow? My, my flat's without a garden. I'm seeing Peter with his, like, um, <laughs> symmetric gardens and his little um, figurines on a chessboard where somebody runs up and moves them around. All his gardens well, doing that. It's just next to the swimming pool, Dave. Ne- next, <laughs> next to the bridge from... Um, next to the bridge from... Uh, I'll tell you what, Dave. It's Longley. bloody annoying when the flamingos come along and move the chess pieces around. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one of them tried humping the horse, for heaven's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we're going down a very, very dark alley here, really, aren't we? So to speak, so to speak. Maybe, maybe this kind of which weird thing have you done at the bottom of your garden is a new feature that we could introduce for next week, possibly. No, <laughs> no, no. I think that's probably drawing a line under it. I think you're probably right. Okay. This means war. So this week, our usual um, 700 people come up with a list which we talk about for nearly 18 hours and then it's tomorrow, um, slightly out of control session on, on Art to Laguerre lists. We've um, we found a way of trimming it down after I think more than half of last week's podcast was involved talking about Carthaginian lists and we were, were even getting lists being sent in from people who weren't on the podcast, which was, was stretching out even more. So So we're trying a slightly new, tighter format this week in which... A couple of people have actually come up with a list. Um, we randomly selected list 216, which is it's actually a very successful, you know, frightening competition list, the Yurch and Jin. Um, one of the lists with Impact Bow Cavalry, which is always very good. And what we look to do this week, we've got both Peter and Dave have pulled together different lists. And we're going to ask Pete and Dave to, to talk their way through um, those two lists. We're all going to have a, a conversation about it. And then... At the end, the seven of us will have a vote on, um, well, actually, the other five of us will have a vote on if these two lists were facing off against each other, um, which one do we think would be most likely to win, um, you know, irrespective of, of who's actually doing the generaling stuff on it. So if I can flip up on the screen, Shara, we'll start with, um, we'll start with Peter and, um, and your list here. Which, which you sent me on an image file. So, Peter, talk us through your your Yurchin Chin list from um, from the good old Yurchin Chin Empire. Well, I, I had a look through it, and it's how you break down the troops. And I decided to make use of an ally because I just wanted to double down on the heavy cavalry impact bow. Heavy cavalry impact bow in Art of the Gear is bloody good. It just goes in, does the business. Um, you've got the shots in, but you've got to have it elite. Because you want the shots to go in, you want to cause the damage, and then you want to hit them. It's just bang. And if you're going to hit, you might as well have the general in there. And that's why I've got included. I've got included both of those because it's just go in there, wipe them out. You, When you're laying out the table, what I want to put out is I've got a big, big studgy group in the middle that's going to have an effect on them with several spearmen, the medium swordsman bow, and a bowman in there. So you've got five, you know, frontline fighters that can actually do something that um, draws the idea in. 
Meanwhile, on one side, you've got six heavy horsemen, uh, heavy cavalry impact bow elite, and some light cavalry bow. On one side, you've got another couple of heavy impact uh, bow, provided they actually um, go reliable, because I went for the allied just to save the points and included allied. Um, and then you've got four light cavalry. So you could either use that, the Mongols, as a sort of like a holding pattern, but then with the heavy cavalry impact bow to keep them sweet sort of thing. Um, and then you've got the Church and Chen to really, you know, the heavy cavalry impact bow elite to really go as your, that's going to be my hit. The mid one are going to either slow people down or draw people in, doesn't matter which. Um, I'm going to get round one way or another. And when I get round, I'm going to be eating you in on the edges very quickly. And I'm not going to worry about you coming too much straight at me because this is the problem when you when you have to rely on coming around on the wings you need something stodgy to take up the middle you know that big carbo load in the center and that's with the heavy spearmen so you can't just charge me down and the sword uh, the swordsman bow to if it's someone that you think it's going to be cavalry or whatever they're going to double check against that with the bowmen and everything else so that's that's Basically, where I was going with this, I've got a decent amount of command with competent and brilliant, so I can have a bit of movement, and uh, that's how I intend to take them down. That's an enormous a block of six heavy cavalry impact bow elite. I've, I'm not sure I've ever seen that before. That's just phenomenal, isn't it? But it's you, just that you... shock value. You put that on the table. I'm making a statement. What are you going to do about it? Do you ever? They'd just go forward, shoot, and then charge, wouldn't they? They would be happy to fight yes. almost anything. Absolutely. They're going to chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, and a, a brilliant general included. That's pretty bold, but um, I guess he can survive. And then, I, I don't know, that, that command in the middle with three, three medium swordsmen bowmen and two heavy spearmen, you know, you're describing that as stodgy, but I'm, I'm looking at that thinking... Squelchy. bit squelchy. Yeah, that's it, Andy, bit squelchy. Do you, do you think but, well, is there a minimum number there? Because they're not going to be munching forward, right? So you come forward, you're playing into my tactic. Oh, I see. Ah, oh, so you're actually not. Uh, you're avoiding the the textbook trap of deploying them on the the edge of the deployment area. You're deploying no, them slightly they'll, back. They'll be, they'll be set back a little bit. You'll come forward to that. I'll wipe out either one side or the other, and then I'm coming into the side of whatever you think is going to take in those. Meanwhile, I've got bowmen shooting at you. So you're chipping away a bit. And do you think the other flank, you know, because you, you've got six bone, not six of the horse on one side and only two of the good horse on the other. Is that... But it's it's elite like cavalry boat. Okay. So, so you're anticipating really fighting with them as well. Um, I've had it happen to me a couple of times. You've got light cavalry bow. Um, you double them up. It's, it's just a misnomer. You can have them coming at different angles, have them all over the place. And it just, either it's a total distraction or they think, oh, okay, I'll just commit a couple of cavalry because it's just their, their heavy cavalry. And next thing you know, it's like light cavalry bow all over you, a uh, couple of shots, and it, you know, it starts to really chip away, especially in period. If you stay in period, um, most of the troops, it's not going to be two massive armies. Um, you're really going to be taking them down. Okay. So I guess in period, the, um, the Yurchins, they're the ones who kind of took over the Song Chinese, Song Chinese, Song Chinese, and, and beat up the Kitan Lao. They were kind of brought in as a group of hairy mercenaries, I think, and um, to beat up the Lao, who were some hairy mercenaries. And it didn't go too well for the, the Song Empire because the, 
the people they brought in to beat up the other mercenaries decided to take over the entire um the entire country um and you know in that great chinese way they they absorbed or were absorbed into the chinese system and and suddenly they end up being counted as a chinese dynasty even though they weren't really they, they got taken over so has anybody else got any um you know it's it's such a straightforward list composition um i you know in a way i'm sort of struggling to think of much more to say can I ask, yeah can i ask or comment the um the six heavy camp heavy cavalry impact Boerly. Now I do Mongol sometimes. It's a troop type that I use, and um, is because I'm I'm not sure whether it's worth fourteen points, which is one question because I'm genuinely not sure on that. And is it good enough to go forward in a big mass and expect it to beat whatever it's coming across? Because it is you still got to be careful with them i think they're still quite they're not as um i don't care as much as some other troop types do you reckon they can just sweep forwards because right good good question um it's a good point i've used um this uh, not exactly this but uh, mongols himself at brickcon several times to great success the the difference is with the heavy cavalry impact bow elite one thing is Either they're coming at you, and fine, I can shoot and retreat if I think they're a bit too much until I've chipped away a little bit. So you can be a bit clever with that. Or it, it means they're not going to get too clever with it. Because sometimes the, the normal shooty cavalry bow, you're trying to get around them to trap them so you can charge. These guys have mm. got impact. All right, you're going to charge. Um, you worked out your maths on it. You know, it's you know it's six of one, half the dozen of the other about most troop types they're going to be a little bit hesitant unless you know say it's an elephant coming at you uh, in which case i'm just going to shoot and retreat i can still evade i can still i've got what eight cavalry there with the light but cavalry coat and that that i can if, just play that if they're in a situation where you shoot retreat and evade sort of they're what you've got to win the game though so if they're sort of like if they're but, going on into a holding pattern but um, I, adam i i'm only looking to get a couple of hits on them i'm not looking to kill if i just get a couple of disorders i'm going in okay yeah, I, I get a couple of disorders and it's eight units so if it was just a couple like the other side so i totally agree because of the ally the the ally is the two heavy cavalry impact bow elite mm -hmm. as well with the elite light horse they're going to shoot invade and then take the opportunity with the other one because it's six of them it's well come on then what, what are you gonna do all right yeah. you're gonna take a couple of hits all right i might lose one going in but i've got another five heavy cavalry impact bow and i'm going to be on your flank and my light's going to be around you and i'm going to be swamping you and i've got a brilliant commander <laughs> lovely do you, do you think, um, you know, for six of them, that's potentially two or three groups all doing stuff? You know, they are expensive. You are going to use them. They can stand up to things. But does that make the including the brilliant commander, that makes him a bit vulnerable to, to being engaged? It makes him a bit vulnerable to being lost in what's still only a 20-point 20, 20 army. He'd be a three-breakpoint loss. And... Um, and once he's engaged, it's suddenly a lot harder for you to manoeuvre the well, other other troops. Because that, I think that almost looks like to me, you know, it's a small detail, but the 
the possible waste or, or not good spending of three points. I can see it on the other one for sure, but it, it looks a little bit, um, I don't know, a little I, bit I indulgent. I thought about that. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I just fancy Dan will try it out. And <laughs> it's, it's it, the ballsy go in, win or lose. And it might be one of those educational moments where I go, I wish I hadn't done that, yeah. but sod it. You know, if you're going to, if, as Adam was quite rightly put, if that's the wing that's going to win it, you've got to be in. You've got to be in it to win it. There's no half measures. You've got to go for it. It's like, it's like um, Rafa when he includes the commander in with the elephant. It's like you can't even recover that one, but it's going in, and you know it's going in, and you know it's coming in, and it's a plus one advantage. So um, elite heavy cavalry impact. So I'm probably up on the impact. I'm elite and I've got a general and I'm probably overlapping you as well. Because, you know, of course I'm going to have that guy as the one with the overlap. So I'm already up several on you and hopefully I've actually shot you as well. So, you know, you're at zero. I'm suddenly at three. You're talking, what, 80 something percent chance of win? Okay. So it's committing you to a play style. That's almost the main reason for doing it. It stops you just bottling it. Yeah, yeah. Inclined, it's, um, it's the play style of I'm going to go and get an early beer one way or another. Peter, I'd be inclined to that list for the six uh, elite guys to swap out one of them for an ordinary heavy cavalry bow. The reason is it saves you three points so your general doesn't have to be included and you've then got a unit which can be used to come around the flank and when it hits in the flank it causes a, a um, cohesion hit and a drop on the, the enemy. You see, I, I've thought about that before. I understand what you're saying, Andy. And I've tried that before with uh, the Mongols. And the, what I had there, and maybe it was just my style or my inability to manoeuvre, uh, was that they ended up trying to concentrate on that. So it never got actually got to do that. Um, it was more me managing that medium one so he wouldn't get shot and I wouldn't get that one killed. Well, you, yeah. keep, it the second, you keep it the second line till you need it. Tuck it in behind the end unit on one, on one flank. I, I prefer six of them line up and one's coming over and going round you and uh, it's going to hit you one way or another. Because if you've got, say if you've got infantry, I can have my heavy cavalry bow impact come up to shoot. My extra one can overlap at the side. If you charge me, I can evade. I can hit you at the side. Or if I can't evade, fine. All I have to do is last one round. I come in the side, then... I pull back and I've got you hitting on the side with impact rope. So there's, you know. Yeah, this is, this is one that commits you to a play style. It commits you to a play style. It's got a complete bacon attitude, I think. It's, um, yeah. you're, completely, you're completely involved. Okay, well, let's, um, let's try and stop, stop this one and let's have a quick look at um, Dave's list then. Um, I will try and bring this up on, on screen share as well, wherever we've gone. Um, It'd be funny if it's identical, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's not. No, I bet it's not. I bet Dave's doing a lot uh, more. Dave likes a lot more infantry. A lot more messing around. Right. Okay. So we've got Dave's army here then. Um, 11, so no still infantry. Got, still no got an initiative of three, but no infantry at all. So, so Dave, describe this list to us, how you put this one together. So, um, well, actually, it's, it's very much based on Thomas from Belgium's list that he used in um, Greece. In Greece, yes. Yep. And um, so 
this is a kind of army that I've wanted to play with for a while because I think these are very difficult armies to play with. I took one to Bournemouth to um, the competition in Bournemouth. I took a Byzantine army and I took a load of medium cavalry in bat and got absolutely shredded by Byzantine bowmen. Um, so I've, I've, like Peter, I've gone with all as many of the heavy cavalry impact bow as I can have. So although I've got a first command with only four of the heavy cavalry impact elite, so command, so, so let's start with the ally. The ally is to hold down one third of the table in and to sit there and make somebody else come and make him um, non-allied to make him yeah dependent so that's like like peter i've got one i've got a mongol commander included heavy cavalry impact i've got a couple of elite light horse and a couple of northerly light horse i think i've saved a few points on peter's army on that ally there yeah i think peter had two of the heavy cavalry yeah, and, it, it, uh, the, um, and he has i also had a competent commander because <coughs> the, the, the light cavalry you want to be able to move it around a lot don't you well the idea of that command is just to delay and to tie down one third of the table while the damage gets done by the other two commands. And in those other two commands, so the first command is four heavy cavalry impact bow elite. Um, but then I've got another three heavy cavalry impact bow in the second command, including one non-elite. So I think I overwhelmed there. But the other thing I always think is that I like, so the medium cavalry impact bow are there. So what I'm going to do is come up and have a bow fight with any opponents, but I'm going to try and treat my medium cavalry impact bow. I'm going to use light horse to cover them, try and get them wings. And that's why I've gone with two brilliant generals, because I think I've got a lot more manoeuvre in there. So I can run down one wing with two light horse, two medium cavalry, whilst pinning in the front with the, with the heavy cavalry impact bow. Does that make sense? I think it does, yeah. So yeah, your first command is... If we compare it to Peter's, your your Mongol command is pretty similar. You've just but yours is more of a holding one because it's only got two two of the heavy cavalry and, and Peter's had two, and its light horse is slightly worse. Your your first command is also very similar in yeah. a way. Peter had six full six fat heavy, six full fat, and you've got four full fat and a couple of mediums to pad it out. And your your light cavalry is a little bit thinner as well, but instead of that. Um, holding pattern in the middle which which i guess for peter's army kind of commits itself to to being the withdrawn center and the, the big punch on one wing you've got a second an army a command that's sort of similar to the first one there's still yes. there's five um kind of pokey cavalry two are full fat one's heavy two are medium yeah. and a couple of light horse as well so you've got two two commands which can both they're not quite as, you know, solid right hook as Peter's, but they're doing very similar things, but you've actually got two of them. So it's, it's so, actually... So the idea you... is to concentrate the heavies together, but to have, because I've got two brilliant generals, I've got the command to treat the medium cavalry impact, though, and the light horses 
independent groups and then to let them go hunting around the edges. So it's come forward, pin with the heavy cavalry, exchange shooting, but work down the wings with the... Well, so so my, my experience with the Mongols, and, you know, please, everybody else chime in, is that unless I do elite with the heavy cavalry bow, ideally impact, I suck at shooting. You know, it just doesn't work for me. It, you end up with one of those long, drawn-out fights, so I see on this, you've got a whole bunch that aren't elite bow. So it, for me, I've had problems actually. Um, I've ended up with draws as opposed to wins or really squeaky ones if I don't do the elite with the bow shooters. So you've got eight heavy cavalry. I've got eight heavy cavalry. My one of mine's light not. cavalry is all elite as well. Yeah, I've got two elite with them. I think the difference there is, I mean, I, I, I thought about taking an infantry command as well, the way you've done it to hold terrain and things like that. But I think you can mark, as long as, there's, as long as you haven't got a gentle hill with brush on it sitting in the middle of the table for your medium, your medium infantry bow to sit on, which I agree is a problem. I think you can mark those out of the game whilst I overwhelm the rest. Um, I think yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that, Dave, because I think if they were if they were heavy foot, you know, the heavy foot mixed bow, like in the Gaznabit army, maybe. But but when I've played against this with, um, I think Dave Hanley used it with um, uh, at Roll Call last year, and it was a I think a newly painted 25 mil army, and mm. he'd he'd got those medium foot bow, and I think he actually did a bit like Peter. He left them initially, but then when they start moving because they're medium foot, you know, they move twice, which is six, and then they've got a shooting range of four. So suddenly they're projecting effectively 40 centimetres across the table from their start line. And, and he kind of waited until everything was a bit committed and then brought them up quite quickly. But I think with, um, with Peter's army, um, his maybe possibly thinking about that, you know, Peter's foot command was an ordinary general so it might actually be a bit slow at bringing them in they, they might be a bit kind of pinned down with it so it's a it's an interesting challenge but i think those bowmen if you've got enough to commit um the rest of the enemy army to battle then the bowmen can join in and start um, start playing but if they're the if they're there on their own they can get picked on but i think oddly enough um you know looking at these two i kind of wonder if if yours, which has got what four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, you've got twelve impact bow cavalry, and, and Peter's got eight, so you've got fifty percent more of them. I think that would probably outmug the the better quality, slightly better quality light horse he's got. But it's really whether his two or three medium foot bowmen could then come in and intervene to to beat up your you know your medium cavalry and give his butt give him the edge to counteract those extra, those extra cavalry that you've got. In, in some ways, I, I would kind of like, you know, your army, but perhaps swap out the, the medium cavalry bow in the two medium cavalry bow in the middle command for, for a couple of those bowmen, possibly. In fact, yeah, I've um, thought about that. Yeah. And our um, bowmen are good against light horse, but I think that's the danger is there. The, especially the, the, the mixture, the mixed unit spear. 
Oh, they're swordsmen. They're, that makes them a bit vulnerable, doesn't it? They're swordsmen. They're going to be The medium cavalry impact. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I'll sacrifice light horse getting damaged or even killed on the way in just to get my medium cavalry impact into those. But then I've got heavy spear by the side, so I can, you know, either take you out or have the overlap. So, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a die rolling thing. It'd be, yeah, it'd be an interesting one to try. That assumes there's no terrain. I think both of these armies are going to end up with very little terrain, aren't they? I, I think. think with these armies, these armies which are very heavily cavalry impact bow, let's, let's just forget whether they're medium or heavy. I think the matchup becomes very crucial. So if you come up against a Nykaforian army where someone's taken all, you know, a lot of mixed spear bow units, you're going to get shredded. You're going to get absolutely murdered. Um, but then if you're fighting against um, a Gullum army where you're talking about heavy cavalry, then it comes down to the bow fight. And although you've got a lot of elite heavy cavalry in there, the, the, bow, the bow fight in the centre can be a complete lottery. And, you know, that's where the game will be won or lost. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, okay, so... I so think got... these... Yeah, I think these two armies have got two different styles, and I'm going to say I prefer Peters for a, for a very um, for a very clear reason. I've tried using Mongols, and um, I don't play LDAG too much, and I'm not a great player. And I found using Mongols really hard work. Not mm -hmm. in a because you've just got to be on it, and you've you're, you're always doing stuff, and you've always got to be so careful about what you're doing. It's like it's like with Romans, you've got a whole huge mass of Romans in the middle, and they go forwards, and you don't have to think too much because that's their job. And with um, with Day's army, it, it seems to be more of a manoeuvre. I've got to think about it, and for my level of play, that ain't great. Whereas Peter's army, as he said, has got a clear plan. You know what I mean? You put them down, and you push the game, and you do this. Um, now, I'm not saying in the hands of a skilled player, Peter's army's better, but I'm saying just for my sanity and my, <laughs> my level of play, I think I could do better with a clear, simple plan than on an army that I've got to be too clever with. So, um, yeah. No, I, I, I get what you're saying, although the, the interesting thing is I've played against this army. It was um, yeah, Tom, Tom Mastro's army at Greece, that thing, a couple of years ago. And I was using Gaznavids um, with it, and it gave me a real, well, it gave me a real beating, just well, beating just, but it gave me a real shock because it does look like a dancey around, shooty, redeploy Mongol army, but what it actually also is is a reasonably high aggression army with what did we say, twelve yeah. impact bow cavalry out okay. of a break point of nineteen, and and what you can do with it say okay i've got loads of i've got 11 of these really good cavalry even the medium ones can do something at impact that's going to be more than most people have got mm -hmm. so if i can get them into the other person's cavalry and you know if you're talking in period you're not necessarily coming up against knights here you're just a little bit you're almost that end of it but maybe it's an eastern period or something in theme in, in theme. theme the i this is the strongest list. It's a very like, strong list. is better than any of the others, pretty much, apart because, from the Mongols. Yeah. If you, if you say, I'm going to use it like a Mongol army, you might be misusing it. You're actually saying, 
I've got 12 of these things. I'm going to shove them into the other person's cavalry as quickly as possible. I'm going to try and avoid their infantry. And, and I think if the infantry are in, uh, like, like Peter's army, where the infantry are all in one block in the middle, the infantry have got to rush out to, to one or the wings to support their own cavalry quite quickly. Um, you know, if, if the infantry are divided into packets, they can act as little bastions and support your own cavalry. But, but this can really overwhelm someone else's cavalry by throwing six, effectively six impact bow cavalry at either wing of an enemy army and, and leaving a hole in the middle. So if you just said, this is just a charge army, you know, if, if these were all medium knights, it might be a different way around it. But, but I think it's, it's a tricky one, but it, it really overwhelmed me. It was really kind of like, I think it actually hung back to start with and then it just all threw itself in. And you can end up with like 12 impact combats almost in one There's go. There's a lot of movement isn't it, in it, even though I've got the infantry there. Yeah. Like it's like, the other thing to say still, is everything in that army shoots. Yeah. Everything in that army shoots. I think the one point, I mean, although you've got 20 to my 19, I think you've got two of the heavy infantry. Those heavy infantry are going to be, I mean, yeah, although they're going to support, they're going to be a bit lost, I think. Well, they're just to basically capture your attention and go, well, oh, I can't just charge straight in yeah. at those guys, um, which puts most people off. Meanwhile, as Tim was saying, you know, you get distracted. Before you know it, you've got a, you know, heavy cavalry impact yep. bow shooting at you with a, a medium swordsman. So you've got, you know, Dave comes along with um, some medium horse. Great. I'll shoot at that with a bowman with another thing in support. There you go. There's another hit. Interesting. All right. Well, look, shall we, um, shall we kind of come to a, a kind of quick conclusion and run around the, the board then? So, Tamsin, if I start with you. My first thoughts would be to go with something like Dave's list for your cavalry. Mm. One vote. Yep. But I know my own limitations. I, if I was playing, I would probably actually go with Peter's list. It makes it, it simplifies the plan. I sort of with my general level of competence uh, i think that's it's better to be as simple as possible okay so you think the uh, peter's list wins it for you because it's it's more usable then i guess more it's, usable for me okay more usable for you so andy what, which one do you think out of these two i'd be more comfortable using peter's list i think it's more flexible i think if i was using peter's army i would try and get as much terrain as i could once I knew what the enemy army, if I knew I was facing an enemy army like Dave's, because nothing in his army is going to like terrain, whereas you might get lucky and get somewhere where you can park your guys and then um, you'll always have space enough to put a six wide cavalry block. So um, okay. I, think, I think that's why I would choose that. Right, also, so you know, if you get a block, block of terrain on one side of the battlefield rather than the centre, you put your foot command in there and then you they can still operate that's like six troops that can't be beaten okay um simon what about you have you got any thoughts on these two yeah i'd be going for peter's army as well because i've been like um tim i've been on the receiving end of that army um in 25 mil and it ripped my medieval army to pieces um because i wasn't expecting the um the, the medium swordsman command and so once all things started to happen they popped out of nowhere, like they were hiding in some terrain. And then once it was safe for them, they walked out saying, hi, I've got a very large sword. Guess where I'm going to put this into you. It's your yep. flank. And um, 
that works quite well. I've used Mongol style of armies of mass mounted. If you're a skilled player and you get the right table, they can work really well. If you get the wrong table, it's a very quick and very ugly game. So um, I'd rather say a bit more, so, so you can at least match up with a few, a few different armies rather than being very uh, one-sided. Yeah, I suppose that is a factor actually. The, um, those infantry do give you some options if you don't get the terrain your own way. Mm. Actually in competition, it just gives you a little bit more tools in the toolbox. Um, and then Adam, what about you? Well, um, as I say, for me, I, I, I would prefer to use Peter's list. But I think if these two armies are in a matchup, um if if the if um dave's list player um was a good player i think it would have an advantage in a matchup because it comes down to um can the cavalry ride down the infantry command and if you're a good player you can probably set that up so you can so i think a strict dice off there i would be going with dave using that army is quite good but for me i would also use peter's army if that makes sense. Okay, so if, if these two were fighting each other, you think Dave's army, but you would still choose Peter's to use. Yeah, if that makes sense. Okay, I must admit, I think you know, even though we're kind of three to one, I'm I'm actually probably with you on that. I think that's probably a good summation. Um, you know, if you're saying these two lists matching each other, you probably got both both generals looking for pretty open terrain. Um, you know the. Uh, so I think you'd end up with with probably not enough terrain for the the spearmen and the bowmen to do, and and I think everybody with the Yurchin army, there is an element that you do expect to see those Chinese infantry and spearmen. Well, maybe not the spearmen, but certainly those mixed infantry now. So with that expectation, I my my gut feel is that Dave's army would would just be quicker across the table on both sides um, and be able to mug. Um, you know, it would go toe to toe with Peter's big command. Um, it would probably just come off slightly worse because of the medium cavalry, but but not not too much. I think it would mug the um, the Mongol command a bit better. I think Peter, what I would the, the thing about your army, uh, it's I've, nearly I've got more heavy impact than he has in the Mongol command. No, but I think he would probably just, stick the core two against it. Would be my exactly. guess. I just I could just drop two of the medium cavalry and a light horse across to do you know it depends on where people set up, but I think I've got much more manoeuvre and flexibility. And I, and I think that's where I kind of lean slightly towards Dave's. It, and I think it's it's that command and control. You've got the two brilliant generals commanding two commands, which can both operate in two halves. You've effectively got four commands there in those two, just because the brilliant generals can split them. And I think. Peter, what probably tips it for me is I'm just unconvinced about the brilliant included. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm unconvinced by the included. And I'm actually almost unconvinced by by the brilliant in a command that that almost just goes straight forward and fights. It, and whereas the that point I was making about got to be committed. I think he's got to be committed, but then that might say make him competent. And I would then probably spend the points on on making a competent general in that middle command just to get those Chinese bow swordsmen moving a bit quicker because I just would fear they they could get a little bit they could be involved too late um, so I just think I'm, I'm really tempted by it. it's a very tough call but I, I just think in a straight matchup Dave's running with five commands and you're running with three just because of the command structure 
But I think if you, if I was swapping, putting your first command with a competent included, that would be fine. And maybe, um, you know, a competent, competent in the middle um, might be, might actually almost tip the balance. I just think that those medium infantry might be a bit too slow to get involved in the game, but it's, it's pretty close, you know, as, as it would be, I guess, with, with one list. So, so I think that's probably a three to two win for the boy Webb on, on that one. Just about. I, before, we, I, before we finish on this, I'm just wondering people's thoughts on how these lists would fare against armies, with, armies in theme, which can be infantry heavy, like the Koreans and Song Chinese. I'd be very happy against them. Because um, I could just, most of the time that people pick one wing that they are basically either throw away or has a couple of horse. Yeah. I'm going to overwhelm that. Um, and I can wait is, the rest to come down. The trick is, if, if you're facing someone who's got spear or even bow, you, you stand in front of them with your heavy cavalry, shoot them, and as they have to charge you away. Yeah. And it, I've had that damaged, done to me, yeah. Once they're damaged, once his bowmen are damaged and they try to charge you, you are going to kill them. And if you don't kill them, you break off and come back and shoot them again. So you've got a massive, you know, these, these heavy cavalry impact bow have got a massive advantage against pike, spearmen, anything slow moving like that. And I think that actually is a bit of a damage in the game. But then if you're facing something, as I say, something like Nigerforian, I mean, at, at Bournemouth, I played in a, 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 com, a competition. I think the, my enemy had 10 heavy infantry mixed bow spear, and I could do nothing against them. Yeah, that's a tough opponent. But they absolutely shredded my, me when I had a medium cavalry impact army, and I learned that lesson. Yeah. Uh, terrible match. Koreans can have six mixed heavy spear bow. Yeah, but I, I think you can deal with six. That's, you know, I mean, it's yeah. when you get into the realms of nine and ten that you go, what the hell is that army and how am I going to deal with that? Yeah, I, th I think both of these armies are beating up one flank with a big block of six heavy cavalry impact bow, aren't they, really? Yeah. You know, that doesn't change. I, I just wonder if, you know, that thing about forcing yourself down a way of fighting, I just wonder, Peter, whether your your infantry command is actually a little bit, lightweight that if you ended up trying to actually use it to take on infantry it might go wrong you know it's almost yeah, better if it's, yeah, it's not as good so you don't like use a, it i i understand what you're saying it's almost like it's a come on though because i want them to come towards me i want them to march into my shooting range i want to get a couple of shots in them to keep their attention meanwhile either one wing goes round or the other wing goes round don't care which. Yeah, true. Well, but, um, so, I mean, Dave's is a bit different with doing the Civil War. Mm. Um, I'd actually probably take, you know, as Adam's idea, be pushing up a little bit more and then using the bow to support and shoot and everything else. But otherwise, yeah, come on. It's like... No, I, I get it. Makes sense. But so, all right, we'll go back to it then. It's a three to two win for the boy Webb. And, hey. um, this means war. Well, look, we've now done a different format then on the list building thing, which um, 
which seems to work well in that it's lasted less than most people's lifetimes, which is good. And we're now into the tail end of this, um, not the tail end, the, the exciting, the real highlight of it, the thing that everybody waits for and tunes in for. And it is now time for Andy's Quiz. Okay then, Andy, um, we're back for your quiz. So remind us of last week's questions. Tell us last week's answers. We haven't got blankety-blank music this time. It was a different thing. No, and, um, and, and, and bring us bring us the new set of questions and the new theme for this week, please. Okay, well, the questions last week were on the theme of famous last words. And the, I asked three questions about whose famous last words were the ones I asked, the first being when asked to whom he was leaving his empire said to the strongest. Anybody know? Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. Alexander the Great. Is that quite right? The second, who said to his firing squad, aim at the heart, not the head? Mm. Um, Napoleon? Did he get shot Perhaps by firing squad? something similar. It was Marshal uh, Murat. Uh, yeah, okay. he did say quite that. Funnily enough, I was thinking Lord Flashheart. My heart. I was thinking um, Lord Flashheart. Don't don't mess up the face and Murat's. Well, that, that was the idea. Yeah, he was so vain. He didn't want his face, right? Yeah. And the third one was, um, who said shortly before he was shot by a sniper to his troops, "Don't worry about them. They couldn't hit an elephant at this distance." Uh, it's one of the American ones. American yeah. Civil War general. Is the name Sedgwick or, or something like that? Correct, yeah, John Sedgwick yeah. at yeah, the American Civil War. Some people think his final words were they couldn't listen an elephant to this disc. Right. So this week's uh, questions are on beasts of war. Um, if we're going to be more particular, it's um, animals of war rather than dogs and humans, but that's a bit ponderous to say, so we'll just say Elephant. beasts of war. <laughs> Down, easy boy, right. First question is, which nation was beaten by the Seleucid Empire in 279 BC, uh, the battle known as the Battle, the Elephant Battle? Was it the Scythians, the Bactrian Greeks, or the Galatians. Okay. Brian's got elephants for that. Pardon? That's got more elephants than anybody. Well, you had the elephants. Peter, Peter, we can have you interrupting at any point if you just come in and say the word elephants repeatedly. We, it's all good. I'll, I'll, I'll get that back. We can just yeah, chip it in. It'll all work. We know where yeah. your obsession is. The elephants are the question, not the answer. Yes. Right. <laughs> so the second question is. The Roman, cons the Roman Emperor Nero allegedly appointed his horse as consul. What was the name of the horse? Was it Equitatus, Incantatus, or Incitatus? Are you sure that was Nero? Yeah. No, it was Caligula. I thought it was Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a Roman Emperor who was a bit bonkers. Let's, let's <laughs> yes, insert that. Let's just let's redefine it more broadly. 
again, you have to qualify that statement yes. of, you know, a uh, mad Roman emperor. A mad Roman emperor <laughs> yeah. appointed his horse. Fine. One of the more, one of the more mad ones. Right? One of the more mad ones. And the third question is, which branch of the British armed services used hedgehogs to attack the Germans in World War II? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, no, that three, three, three oh, great, yeah. yeah, 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 three great animal themed questions. Um, and that brings us to um, the end of Andy's quiz for this week. I've got one little bonus hey. point for you, forgot a moment, which is, um, in honour of the fact that Tim's finally painted all the gnomes, we're going to have one gnome truth, which is from Napoleon, which was, and here it is, a revolution is an idea taken up by blank. Garden gnomes. Blank in this context? Garden gnomes, no, can't be garden gnomes. So the bonus question for this week, a revolution is an idea taken up by blank. That's Possibly it. not gnomes. Fantastic. This means war. Okay then, so as we, we move into the final furlong then, um, it's another quick roundup for what's on the table for this week. Um, so Tamsin, what are, you, um, what are you looking at for your painting this week then? Uh, now, that, now that they're finished. A little bit of scattered terrain to finish painting. Then I haven't decided. Wow, okay. Well, have you got any things to choose from in particular or are you just going to go shopping? Not. I've got lots to choose. <laughs> Just too much. All right. Well, we'll have a surprise next week then, yes. quite possibly. Something to look forward to. Adam, are you, what about you then? Um, you're you're sucking um, the brush as we speak. <laughs> it's um, I I've just I'm just doing a box of Fireboards 28 mil Far Eastern Mongol foot, um, because I bought them and a load of Mongol cav ages ago, because I was going to do them as a saga army. Um, and then I thought, oh, I'll do them as a 28 mil ADLD army. That'll be fun. And then I played Mongols with me 15 mils, and I thought, oh, they're hard work, and I'm not good enough. So I'm doing them as a saga army again. Um, are are you not I, tempted to make them into a Yurchin Chin army now? They would make fantastic no. Yurchin Chin Chinese infantry, I'm sure. They would do. But in fact, I, I, yeah, looking at them, I could do medium foot sword um, bow quite easily, but no. Um, and I'm also um, be prepping up the um, the goblins, the Moria goblins, to go along with um, the Lord of the Rings type thing as well. Okay, well so next week you'll be able to tell us because I've not actually put together any of those Fireforge um, figures as yet. So it'll be interesting to see how they go together. We'll look okay. forward to hearing about it next week. Good. Before um, we before we sign off, are we going to are you going to decide what the army list we're going to talk about next week? Is? That's a very good point because we forgot last time and we just. We'd almost got all the way through this podcast without admitting that. But it's we'll, get the, uh, random... we'll get the um, we'll get the IT expert, Mr. Lee Ray Mayer, to get random.org. And then Andy for, for interjecting and, and proving to us that we messed up. What are you painting um, in the next week? Um, or the, we almost talked about this already, I think. Yeah, hopefully finishing off the um, unarmored feared. Was any luck getting onto the armored feared? And the pikemen are still way off in the distance then. 
indeed. The other thing I was thinking of doing, if I ever get round to it, my DIY skills are hopeful, hopeless, is I'd like to make a, an army camp for the Vikings in, in, in involving a beach ship. So I need to make kind of half a beach ship um, out of something. I okay. just haven't worked out how to do it yet. All right. Well, that's, that's something maybe to talk about. We'll have to do a special edition on which half ships have you made at some point in the future. <laughs> um, which base is best? Which base. So then, Simon, let's come to you. And um, you're on random.org then. So if you can press the magic button and give us a random.org list, that would be fantastic. List 128. 128. Let's flick through the book. What do we got? That's Where's that Dark Ages thing? Nicophorian Byzantines. It's oh, a classic. classic. It's an absolute classic. That's okay. a good, I've never put together a, a Byzantine army before. So is that something I do with this? Loads of variety. So all right, and Simon, we'll we'll put you down as one of the people to put the list together. Then um, and then Adam, what about you? Is that a list? What that you, you are, can, Governor? Is that a list that you can have a go at as well? Yeah, no, no, that, that's cobbled yeah, together. Nick of brilliant. Yeah. So we'll, cool. we'll come back to you two next week to discuss Nicophorians. That's fantastic. Right. And, um, and Simon, what's on your painting list? Why have you pressed the random number button or dot thing? This week, I'm attempting to start painting my Seven Years' War army. So I want to get at least a couple of battle units or units painted up to see what these QRF miniatures are like. They look quite nice um, so far. Out of interest, you say units. What rules are you going to be using with them? I'm, I'm using the kings of the uh, king of battlefield um yep. the ones that ian goodwin from our club wrote since mm -hmm. there's quite a few players in our club and good good as, good as an excuse as any yeah do you do a unit at a time you, you always get a good game with them do you do a unit at a time or um you know because i tend to I, I i base up one unit to get my paint scheme visual and then i'll do the um all of them in one big hit so um Okay. Yeah, I might, I'll probably be painting. I've got, I think, um, five or seven units of each. Each unit is three bases of six infantry per base. So I'll do the all in one big hit. Have okay. you got battalion guns for them, Simon? Yep. Of course. Being that I that's love artillery, everyone's got a gun. Good man. Okay. And also, I've got a few sergeants and um, banner bearers and stuff like that because you need flags. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we'll we'll see how those first test units go next time. Then, so Peter, you're you're getting to the end of the Austrians. Do you think it's something you'll get done next week? <laughs> Provided they turn up, yeah. Provided they turn up, you're just it's, poised it's and like ready. It's, it's it's actually you know mimicking the actual Napoleonic War. They they'll finally turn up too late for the battle. And dribs and drabs, and um, and then then Dave, you're you're just crossing your fingers that the Egyptians arrive. So if if they don't, is there anything else that's going to sneak its way into the pile, or are you just optimistic? I think I've ordered quite a large, I, I mean, I get the impression Ian um, makes them up as it goes. So that would be interesting. I think I, I don't expect them to arrive too quickly. So it's um, finished the four bases of Samurai, which are actually I'm sitting here playing with at the moment, painting them as we go. They'll, they'll get done. Um, I've got, so I've got a busy filing cabinet next to my painting desk, with which has got things in there. So we should be, so from all those Kickstarters from, War and Empire forged in battle. I've still got quite a few bags of things left over from there. So there's um, Scythian foot bowmen. I need to finish them. A couple of bases of them at least, and some um, rum firearm Thracians. So there's like some interestingly fun, you know, two bases of this, two bases of that. 
And if I ever get bored, I sit there and start painting commanders because they're all fun to do as an individual thing. Okay. So, so unless lots of Egyptians arrive, it's a bit of an eclectic week of bits and bobs for you then? If the Egyptians start arriving, then that's it. That's me for about six months, I reckon. The production's planning. Okay. And I think for myself, it, it is just carry on with horses. See if I've got the discipline to, to do all the straps and all the rest of it on the horses first, just because I've never ever approached an army like that. And then then start thinking about how to to pick the colours for these Hungarians. I've downloaded a load of flags, so I've got some sort of colour keys for it. And and I'm thinking about doing an experiment of trying to kind of print off shield patterns onto paper because we, we've just got a new printer at home that's a lot higher spec than the one that we bought about 20 years ago and um, so I can get decent resolution and I'm just thinking whether some of these I can actually just print off shields on bits of paper and and stick them on um, and see if I can get some of the heraldry done slightly better than I normally do in that one without having to go down the LBMS route because so I've got a sneaking suspicion that modern printers are are almost good enough to or, or are good enough to actually just do stuff if you can if you can scale the images to the right size to start with I, mean, I think flags is one thing straightforward but i'm just wondering if it's possible to do the flag thing but with shields but simon so you um yeah i haven't done it but gordon has done it so um he's he's designed up some shield his own shield um flags or whatever you want to call them and printed off printed them off on his printer at work or at home and put them on his miniatures and they look really stunning and i think he's got some very clever software for his uh, printing things photoshop <laughs> yeah photoshop i guess what he does so i'll just be copying images off the internet from yeah. um, pinterest uh, you, also want like to get, uh, you probably want to use quite low weight paper so it's something like maybe 60 gsm so it's thinner than standard okay all right that's a good catch good all right. Well, I will. I will look for some sixty GSM paper then, and then print some really, really tiny images. Uh, I think I got some for. I think Ryman's. Well, I, I will. I will give it a go, and um, I'm not sure I'll get to the shields next week. I'll probably will still be swearing at horses by then, um, and, and I might even space the horses before I paint any of the riders, which would be kind of weird. So it's it's definitely a week of, of horses and other stuff, and then I think some of us will also be trying to actually play Art of the Gare on Tabletop Simulator. Um, yeah. possibly starting as soon as tomorrow so we might be reporting more on that as well so all right going around the thing thank you everybody and um we will another week we've we've done just a shade under two hours this time so this is still starting to stretch out um as usual i think the new we did it a bit quicker i think the new format for for the army this thing was kind of interesting and with, with a vote at the end so we'll we'll see the classic nikephorians coming out after that as well um both of these lists will be on the mad axman website in the wiki and if we've talked about anything that I can actually remember from two hours ago, I might even put a link on the, the blog. Thanks for listening. Um, stay safe out there and goodbye from me and goodbye from everybody else. Bye. Mm-hmm.